you dream of a classroom where learning is natural? Can we inspire students to lifelong learning? What exactly is the purpose of an education? Inspiring students to be curious, independent, creative, innovative, deep thinking, confident, proactive, collaborative, determined, educated. Rise to the challenge of changing the world. This is teaching. This is learning. This is who we are. Welcome to the Tabletop Inventing Podcast. What is the career path from a mailroom clerk to the marketing director for a multinational company? What does a marketing guy think about the need for algebra? What is the secret for starting a conversation with someone you don't know? What is my secret weapon for taking a shallow conversation to a deeper level? Stay tuned for the answers in today's podcast. Hey there, Innovation Nation. The new year is really getting into full swing now. Last week I mentioned the goal-setting program by Michael Hyatt. If you didn't try it, don't wait. Before you know it, June will be upon us, and what will you and I have to show for our efforts? Don't sleepwalk through another year. Set some goals to do a few things you've been meaning to do for years. Make sure this year is the one to get her done. Speaking of getting things done, we'd like you to swing by our podcast page in iTunes or on Stitcher, both linked up in the show notes, and tell us what you think of the podcast. We always appreciate five stars, but your honest feedback will be the best, and be sure to write us a review. We read every review and take them very seriously. We also love to give you all a shout-out right here on the podcast whenever you leave us a review. Our guest today, Larry Rowland, is the marketing director for a major multinational transportation company. Larry shares some candid thoughts about what it means to be educated and how he got his own education. So my guest today is Larry Rowland. Larry, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, Steve, I live in Southern California. I um, work for a, a multinational manufacturer in the transportation industry. I've worked for them for 28 years, and I've had a, a fantastic journey. I'm married with five kids, and uh, looking forward to talking about education. So let's back up just a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Well, Steve, in my senior year of high school, I watched all my friends preparing all their AP classes, everybody ready to go to college, as I was at that time but started asking around to everybody, so what are you going to do in college? What do you want to do? Kind of the what do you want to do when you grow up question. Um, and nobody could give me an answer. There was absolutely nobody that knew what they were going to do or why they were going to do it. Now, I don't know whether it was just complete laziness or uh, stubbornness, but somewhere in that uh, year I decided I wasn't going to go to school right away. There was always kind of a goal to get there, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to figure out what I want to do first with my life. And in the back of my mind, I don't know, this has to be thrown in there, I was going to be a rock star. <laughs> Still working on that. <laughs> so after my senior year, and when all my friends went off to college, I just started looking, working odd jobs. And uh, in between jobs, my dad would always tell me, um, why aren't you out there pounding the pavement? I mean, somebody's not going to come knocking on your door and offer you a job. 
Well, one day somebody came and knocked on my door and offered me a job. <laughs> and it put me into the business sector uh, working for a uh, nonprofit organization in the copy room. And I had known this gentleman. We had met earlier, and he just thought I'd be a good fit. And uh, he was offering me nearly twice what I was making at minimum wage at the time. And so, heck, who needs college? Let's move on, uh, was my thought at the time. Uh, so I, I jumped right in and did three years, worked uh, my way up in that organization to the manager of that department. Now having several people under me and managing all of the uh, photocopy needs for the entire company. After that, I, I, I went to work for a short time, left that, that uh, job, went to work for my uh, father-in-law in a jewelry casting business, a complete diversion from my goals, really. I, I don't know if I had goals at, at 21 years old, but I was just getting married, and my uh, fiancé's stepfather ran this jewelry casting business. So I thought, well, uh, he made some pretty darn good money, and maybe that was a direction to take. That didn't last long, unfortunately. He was um, unfortunately murdered in his shop. Oh, wow. And a very devastating time for all, to be sure. But it was in the early morning hours before any other employee arrived. So really threw things for a spin for a while in my uh, early marriage to be unemployed and now realizing I have no education. Now what? So I uh, decided I better jump back into something I had had some success with. And so I jumped back into uh, management, and I went into the retail world in an auto parts store. Um, I like working with people, Steve. I've always felt that working with people and helping people to be their best and helping me to be my best through this partnership was something that uh, I had done well and enjoyed doing. So I found myself, unfortunately, though, working every hour imaginable in the retail world, and there really was no such thing as a scheduled day off. Because I got a phone call eight out of ten scheduled days off, and I was back in the uh, in the shop. So um, realized real quickly that that wasn't really my goal, and uh, and jumped out of that fairly quick. So I did a year or so in a guitar manufacturing business, um, working inside sales. I always thought I had a capability of working sales. I loved entrepreneurship. Had a couple little side businesses that a buddy of mine and I kind of. Uh, went through in the music world where I was spending most of my unproductive time. <laughs> and so tried my hand at, uh, at manufacturing, a little bit of uh, speaker cabinet manufacturing and, and uh, audio recording, doing a little recording studio. That eventually went into video. Had some success and enjoyed it, but it wasn't something to support my family, unfortunately. So I ended up working for this uh, trailer manufacturer, coming in at an entry-level position as a uh, coordinator, a sales coordinator, just taking new orders and cleaning them up and sending them out to drafting and engineering for uh, final order production. And I did that for a while, and a great family organization um, this year uh, celebrating their 100th year as a family business. So a uh, great place to be, great company, great family. And I continued to learn about their product. This is education. This is where I learned about a product that I had no idea I'd ever be involved in, but uh, found the, the mechanical part of it uh, actually um, pretty easy. So, um, you know, I became to some degree an expert in my field. 
and continued to work in that area until uh, once again found myself managing a group of salespeople doing the same thing. Um, this became really my life path and direction for the next 20 years. And so I continued to grow and develop into in um, sales management. And uh, then within the last three uh, or four years, had an opportunity to step into the uh, director of marketing position. And uh, I'm really enjoying that and find that now I, I, I manage a group of people, but also gives me some of that creative end that I had in my early days in the music field and entertainment world. So you've spent a fair amount of time in the management side of uh, industry. When did you realize you were good at this? Well, really, it, it goes back to my early days at the uh, nonprofit organization. I, I found out um, that I could actually help people with their responsibilities, help them understand where they fit best and how to develop their, um, reach their goals as well. So it, it was young. I was 21 years old probably by the time I said this is, I wasn't expecting it, but this could be a career path. This was great, working with people and, and helping them. So no one took you by the hand and taught you how to work with people, but somehow you've gotten good enough for people to think that you re are really good at it. And if you weren't really good at it, you wouldn't be you know, where you are. So what, well, what was, I, what was actually, the process, actually, that, that you took to learn of, that? Yeah, I've had a lot of people helping me. Uh, with that process. There was uh, all the way back in the early days there was I had a great manager that would spend a lot of time with me helping me understand really what my goals were and then now in the, in the, my, my uh, current company uh, I've had some amazing mentors that have really helped me understand that the byproduct of leading people is a better product within the department. So it's really a shift, a change of thinking from the mechanical aspect of, of writing an order and doing all the things that need to be done. You first have to have a good crew and people who feel good about their jobs and want to do a good job to really have a good product at the end of the day. So you've taken the master apprentice route to learning and did these people seek you out? Did you seek them out? Did, they just, did these learning experiences happen naturally? Tell me a little bit about how that, those things developed. Some of them were naturally and some of them were painful. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we get to a point sometimes, especially through the, through the bumps in the road, uh, where you get sometimes to the, um, to the not so comfortable part of the job when, when um, you need to learn how to um, manage a problem. And some of those bumps led me to uh, a mentor uh, that I've worked with for the last 20 years that has not only helped me personally, but given me a library of books to read on the subject of leadership. So where did you meet him along the way? Was that early? Was it late? He was uh, actually my first supervisor uh, working at my current company. He, is, uh, he has since uh, become the director of human resources and we continue to have a great relationship today working in that uh, arena. I spend quite a bit of time asking people questions you know, like this and we'll shift a little bit here and you can talk to me about your experience in education. In our current environment we we can go to the internet and we can look up just about anything we need to know about and get 
you know, some amount of information. Sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little, uh, sometimes it's false. Um, hope We hope most of the time that it's true, but we live in this era when it's just very easy to go look on the internet for something. In that environment then, where you can just go look up the answer, what does it mean to be educated? Education, of course, is the process of absorbing knowledge, of finding that answer and understanding it, and utilizing it. That's my view of education. Unfortunately, as I've alluded to, I, I still feel sometimes our institutional education is teaching people to take tests and pass an exam rather than absorbing knowledge and utilizing that knowledge. And so uh, your point is, is perfect uh, from my position that really the internet uh, is even a better form of education in some cases because you are now seeking knowledge. You are now wanting to, you need a process to get through. I, I'm a huge fan of, uh, well, I can do anything on YouTube. Uh, my wife might differ uh, on that opinion. <laughs> and she always tells me to, to uh, assess my time and multiply it by three. So um, it's certainly not always perfect. But where, where education exists everywhere around us, information access is instantaneous. Now we have an opportunity. And part of the learning process, of course, is learning to think and learning to understand how to utilize the information. So some of that, of course, happens at a very, very young age, and some of that happens, hopefully, through our institutional educations. But today, being able to pick up YouTube, um, search how to fix my washing machine, find the part, step-by-step step, tear it apart and put it back together again is something I find incredibly satisfying. And I tuck that away you know, in the file drawer of job well done, process learned, I could use that again now. So I'm thinking back to something you said offhandedly. You said that this mentor of yours gave you a huge library of, of books to read, and, you know, or at least gave you a list of great books to read. Now, are most of these on the subject of uh, your job, or were they broader than that? And Just maybe take a guess. How many books do you think you've read over the course of time, maybe on a yearly basis, to, to, to know what you know? Uh, probably a couple dozen, and they're almost exclusively on the subject of leadership. Leadership being a completely different position than management. Too often we, we believe we're supposed to, uh, we're in charge of a group of people, and so now we're supposed to manage them. But understanding that we manage a process and lead people is really the key I believe, to successful leadership in an environment where people are watching and following and need help fitting in better. So you clearly have some opinions about that. How, how did you form that opinion after reading those books? Uh, people are people, and you know, it's you read these books, and sometimes you, you're shocked that he's written it about yourself, <laughs> about uh, people you know. And, and the more you read, the more you understand that we're not all that different sometimes. And people want to be treated a certain way. The golden rule certainly applies. But somehow when we get into a, a position of leadership in some cases, we believe that now it's our job to point and push and tell somebody what to do. And if you think about that, 
retrospectively, I don't want to be told what to do. I'd like to be given an assignment, given some instruction and, and guidance, and then I'd like to be able to go out and get a job well done on my own. So in leadership, there are a lot of common principles, and I started to realize uh, after reading maybe m more than about a dozen of those leadership books myself that after a while they start saying the same things. And so it seems like there's a general set of principles underneath of life that help you live a good life. And if how is that related to maybe getting a classical education and getting a self-education? Wow, that's a great question. You know, again, I, 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 I just will state again, I'm certainly not anti-education, um, even from an institutional perspective. But I certainly have realized that the goal of education today um, by many high school students uh, is to get a job. It's not uh, to fulfill a personal goal. It's not to help mankind. It's to get a job. Um, I'll come back to your question, but I'll make my, my point here. I've talked to several people, several young people at my office, just to see if, if things have changed much since I was in high school 30-some years ago. And I asked three young people that are just out of college several years maybe, and I asked them, why did you go to college? And every answer was the same, because I needed to get a job when I got out. And I said, did, did you get a job in the field that you went, took education for? No, absolutely not. Then why did you decide on that major? It just seemed fun. It seemed easy. It seemed like something I could pay attention to. So what you're doing today didn't require that education. No, absolutely not. So we've become a society of Education needs to exist so that I can get an entry-level position assimilating sales orders. That's a high school education. Now, we use the process of higher education to filter out ethics a lot of times, hard work, um, determination. And these people all have that. And so we look at a diploma in many cases, and I've used them many times in my, in my 28 years uh, to say, Okay, this guy got his degree, he stuck to it, and so we know he's got at least that going for him. But we've really lost as a society this feeling of what, am, what is my place in this world along to the point of your question, what am I supposed to do in this world to make a difference? So I would say possibly a self-education keeps you much more in tune to what is it I'm supposed to do? What is it I want to do? Where am I going? I say that altruistically, but I'm working at a position that I fell into, that I continued to thrive at, and I would honestly have to say, if I look back at it 28 years ago, was this my ambition and goal? Um, certainly not for this particular field, but I did learn that helping people fit and do better was something that I enjoyed doing. And that would fit just about, hopefully, um, anywhere I went in whatever industry I was in.
So think back over the last 28 years and maybe give me a percentage. How much of what you learned that you use was front-loaded and how much of that did you learn along the way? You know, it's interesting. The, 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 um, the business and I, that I work in required um, a pretty good degree of math, um, some basic algebra and geometry. Um, in my early days, weight distribution calculations. Uh, I certainly had no clue how to do a weight distribution calculation. They certainly didn't teach that in high school algebra or geometry. But what I found out pretty quickly was I had the basic knowledge to plug in where these formulas were. And although I really wasn't even the greatest math student, by any means, the knowledge was there. It was front-loaded. So I certainly do appreciate my high school education. It is what enabled me to understand some basic principles, even in the field that I entered. Shocked me a little bit that I still retained some of that. You know, that's one of the biggest questions I think a lot of kids ask. You hear it all the time. Why in the world will I ever need to solve for X in my real life and in the real job I do someday? Well, I'm living proof that I needed to learn to solve for X. <laughs> and so... Um, that certainly was uh, a huge help to me in an industry that I certainly didn't expect to be in, but uh, found myself in and, and picked it up pretty quickly. However, uh, the majority of what I learned from that point on was experience. Um, experience in some of my other positions as far as leadership, but experiences in this field as far as technical knowledge on the product. There's no institution in America that would teach you the technical knowledge that this particular company, nor many others, would be able to teach you. That strictly comes from experience. And you're only going to get that through the education given to you by your employer. So I, a quote I, I read early on, very early on, gosh, maybe even about the time that I came to this business, was every company has a different dance. Learn it. And that simple quote stuck with me. Um, I need to learn how to dance this company's dance. I need to understand their culture and how they've done business long before I came. Because, of course, you know, a lot of times we want to step in and fix everything we see. We're, we're going to do it our way, and boy, are we going to fix them and be their savior. I found out really quickly that that isn't true. And I needed to learn how they do things. And if I was going to improve things, I needed to do it after the context of, okay, this is how they accept it. Hmm, maybe I can adjust it two degrees from here. And then we two more degrees down the road. So certainly um, I've made my footprint, but it wasn't because I was going to come in and, and change the world either. All right, well, We'll wrap it up with this last question, and it's the one we always try to get down to in our podcast. So looking back at the context of your experience, what is the purpose of an education? Boy, I'll tell you what. You know, I, I, I approach this interview even from certainly a, um, a potentially jaded perspective, and I try not to because I certainly want to give my kids the opportunity uh, to an institutional education beyond high school. H higher education is certainly my goal for my kids. 
but it still has to have the purpose of absorbing knowledge and utilizing that knowledge. I, I still feel today that it's a shame that society says you must get an education so that you can come out of it oftentimes in debt. And Steve, you know my perspective that I don't believe anybody should come out of an education in debt unless that education was for the perspective of a career that required that education. I am so thankful that doctors have a great education and a diploma. I want my doctor to have a diploma. I want my lawyer to have a diploma. I'm so glad that the engineer who designed the bridge that I cross every day had a diploma and a wonderful degree. But we have to ask ourselves as a society, and I know right now the push is for every American to have the opportunity to have a good education. But oftentimes what that means is you deserve higher education at somebody else's expense. Or it doesn't matter at your own expense, you go sign student loans, as long as you get the education, now you're a valued citizen. And I, don't, I believe that's become um, an improper perspective for, for a healthy society. I'll ask you this question. Do you want your mechanic to have a diploma, uh, to have a degree, or do you want him to know how to fix your car and spend as little time and as little money as it takes to get your car running perfectly? I think I'll take option number two. So we could spread that same analogy over many, many um, professional fields that we appreciate, but I want knowledge, I want education to be their goal, not the degree or diploma. If it takes a degree or diploma, wonderful. I support it 100%. But I see too many people, I've worked with too many people that have higher education and yet they don't have the social skills to be, to utilize the education they have beyond an entry level or much higher than that position. So are we doing a service to our society by telling them to get a higher education and coming out of school with $65,000 of debt or, uh, or worse yet, getting out of school realizing you can't make the kind of money to pay your loans off so you now go and get a higher education, get your master's degree so that you can earn a higher income. And I think that's just, uh, again, an unfair perspective we put in society on the importance of an institutional education. I hope we can begin to understand that education is, I think as you and I see it, the process of learning and then utilizing that learning for your benefit and certainly even more importantly, the benefit of others. How can my education and what I do benefit, benefit my society, my family, and, and my organization? Wow. So if I could just summarize uh, your perspective on that. It sounds like you're saying that when students are approached with the uh, choice of, you know, going to college or you know, trying something else for a while, that before signing up for college, they should have a very good reason to sign on the dotted line. Uh, for instance, maybe they just they desperately want to know something, and college is the only way to learn it, or they want to go into a career where they have to have a diploma or a certificate that can really only be gotten through a higher education. But that if they're just 
going for the next step that jumping into a higher education just because everyone says that's what you should do might not be the best choice. Is that is that is that is that what you see from from your perspective coming you know coming to the system? That's close. I, I'll add that if you have the ability, if you have the opportunity to have an higher higher education with without debt at the end. Now whether that come from your parents were wise and um, saved for a college fund or whether um, um, you were able to get um, scholarship. a scholarship or some other endowment and can have an education, then that's tremendous. But um, so my only caveat is I wouldn't have an education at the expense of a large debt at the end for the sake of an education when I have absolutely no plan of using that particular education in the field that I hope to aspire to. Interesting. Well, thank you, Larry, for taking time to uh, give us that perspective. You've definitely given us a lot of things to think about. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And now, today's great inventor secret. Make some new connections. This last week, we went to the Consumer Electronics Show, CES. I always enjoy this show because it's huge. All the latest technology is there and hundreds of thousands of people show up. If you want to try out your people skills, this is a great place to do it. In particular, it is a great way to make new connections or to learn how to meet people. Before I delve into some of my experiences at this year's CES, you're probably wondering why in the world I'm talking about meeting people as a great inventor secret. Well, some of the most clever inventions of all time are not particularly useful. I didn't title this little section Clever Inventor Secrets. Great inventions help people or solve an urgent need. So, will it do us any good to invent without finding the need? Inventing in a vacuum simply for the pleasure of inventing is fun. And we should do it, often. Yet when it comes to great inventions, we need the input of others. We need to observe how people interact with the world around. We need to ask questions and listen for the answers. Another reason we need to meet new people is because some of the greatest inventions languish in obscurity because no one knows they even exist. Inventions can only become great when they solve the need of as many and of the intended recipients as possible. Thus, great inventors go looking for ways to meet people and share their ideas. You don't want your great ideas to die on the table where you created them. So back to CES. Before the conference, I read a book called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Keith describes the best ways to meet people and how to connect in a meaningful way. Now, I'm a tech guy, so I need all the relationship coaching I can get. I mean, I'm always reading some book about leadership and how to develop my interpersonal skills because, well, let's be honest, I'm pretty inept without that knowledge. Several years ago, I would have been terrified to speak to more than one complete stranger per day at a conference. At conferences, I usually sat in the back and took notes during the lectures and walked quietly up and down the aisles where the exhibitors had their booths. I can't say that I ever walked away with a meaningful contact from a conference prior to the last two years. But now, things are different. I've discovered that the best thing about a conference is not the new technology. I mean, let's be real, 
I can read about most of that on the internet. It isn't the great lectures because I can also find those on the internet by following innovators on social media or reading the latest journals. No, none of those things really matter other than to start a conversation. The best resource to find at a conference is really the people. Conferences are all about the new people you meet that you might not have otherwise crossed paths with. In Ferrazzi's book, he mentions getting involved with the planning team. Now, since I just finished this book before CES, it was a little late for me to do that for CES. But you better believe I'll be finding a way to participate in upcoming conferences. In the meantime, I thought I'd practice some of Ferrazzi's other suggestions at this conference. Now, because I'm an experimentalist, I decided to do some social experiments on people. No, nothing unethical, just I wanted to converse with them and find out how they reacted. I specifically wanted to know what hooked others to talk. The answer is not all that surprising. We have to find a way to get them to talk about their interests or themselves. And then we have to cast our ideas in terms of their interests. Yet, when talking to others, my bad habit is usually to talk all about myself or all about them. But there's an ideal mix for me that seems instead to be at about 60 or 70 percent them talking with me doing a little bit of social engineering to notice something about them to get a conversation started and then inserting my message in during the first 60 seconds of the talking and then after that I mostly listen and then point out how their ideas or experiences are similar to what we do. This probably sounds contrived and well, honestly, for me, it probably is. However, there's one thing about what I do that is never contrived. I care. Period. People matter to me. Now, it's always seemed strange to me that a techno geek like myself with, <laughs> with little to no naturally inborn social skills would find people to be of such value. Yet, it does seem to be true. And once I get a conversation going, it's usually pretty easy for me to communicate my interests. I still need a few tips and tricks now and then to keep the conversation going, but I'll share with you what I tried. The first thing, getting started. We have to find a point of common interest or a common characteristic. Now at CES, I was by the Oculus Rift booth, which by the way is a fantastic company, when I noticed a man in a nice suit diligently typing away on his iPhone. <laughs> I smiled and held my phone in a similar position to him and then kind of looked over at him and commented, that looks familiar. He looked up at me. I looked back at my phone and feigned typing away for a second, then looked back at him with a smile. <laughs> Gradually the, oops, I've been caught ignoring the world around me while I typed on my phone look, came over his face, and he smiled back. I asked him what he did, and we had a meaningful five to 10 minute conversation about his job as the VP for a technology analytics company, and mine as a crusader, seeking to reawaken the inventor and students and teachers. Now I've learned that using a little information from a person's badge, name, company, home base, or even title can be a great opening to start a conversation. It doesn't have to be complicated, and maybe it's a little superficial, but that little act of attention indicates that somehow I noticed them. And we all like to be noticed. Even big name hotshots like to be noticed. The other point I wanted to bring up is that we need to make a meaningful connection. This is the goal of every interaction. 
as an inventor, it may be tempting to spring at the other person with our sales pitch and all the great things our invention can do. But that approach usually turns people off instantly. The hard sell approach turns most of us off because deep down, we really want the other person to be concerned about us while they're completely self-absorbed in their sales pitch. I mean, in reality, the best way to connect with another person is genuine interest. But there's a secret weapon in my arsenal here, and Ferrazzi talks a little bit about it as well in his book. So here's your secret weapon when trying to make a genuine connection with another human. You have to be human. Don't just talk about the weather. Find a place in the conversation for a little honest self-disclosure. I mean, you don't have to drop your deep down dark secrets. But while introducing myself to Scott the Analyst, I was actually admitting that I too spent a little more face time with my phone than I should. And he understood and tacitly agreed that he too ignored the real world around a little too often as he was engaged in his phone. So we shared a brief human moment which broke the ice for us to be real about what we were doing for a living. And there are a hundred other different examples I could give about this, but the main point is just be human. Just be a little bit vulnerable in your conversation. This inventor secret is too good to put on a shelf until the next conference you attend. Today, maybe on the way out of the grocery store, or at Home Depot, or just in the hallway at school, notice someone else. Let them know that you notice them. Share a human moment and make a new connection. Have you been enjoying the Tabletop Inventing Podcast? Have comments or questions you'd like us to address? Contact us and we'll think through the comments and answer your questions here in the podcast. And be sure to let us know if you'd like a shout out or to remain anonymous. You can share your comments and questions at www.ttinvent.com podcast or by emailing us at podcast at ttinvent.com. Let's discuss your thoughts and questions. Join us again next time when we will again seek to answer the question, what is the purpose of an education? And as educators, how do we awaken the inventor in each of our students? Mm -hmm.